Good evening. I hope you'll excuse me if I appear a trifle excited, but I've just come into possession of a cure for insomnia. We're the Good Trash Omnicast doing our special spin-off show, The Good Trash Do Cinema, uh, where we <laughs> Dalton loves the name, where we talk about movies that do belong in film studies course. So we're looking at art cinema. And so this is uh, recommendations. We're trying to elevate. There's one role of critics is not only in addition to just recommending this is good, this is bad, but also that we would begin to elevate the art form by recommending things that you would not ordinarily see on your own. And so that's what we're doing today. We're looking at a movie called Holy Motors, uh, Batman. And uh, we are going to be uh, talking about that. Batman is not included in the title, by the way. It's a French movie. It's surreal. It's fantastic. Kind of portmanteau or anthology. Or both. Or not at all. Or nothing. Um, so there's going to be uh, some interesting conversation about what we're dealing with narratively as well as just what we see on screen. But before we do that, we have to do some introductions uh, across the table, if you would, sir. My name is Dalton Stewart. Um, I, I really don't know what else to say. I was going to try to do a joke. Uh, this film, I don't even know where to start. There's too many jokes to make. Uh, I shot a banker, um, and I'm currently Thank wearing you. a mocap suit. Excellent, excellent. Uh, across the table, if you would, sir. I am Arthur Gordon, and this is just another appointment for me to get through today. <laughs> Very well played. My name is Dustin Sells. I occasionally live in the sewers and dress like a leprechaun. And I am so glad to be with you all uh, talking about this film, Holy Motors. Batman. Uh, and But before we get into our quick reviews, we need a synopsis from the voice of the cinema. Mr. Arthur Gordon, if you would, sir. From dawn to dusk. A few hours in the shadowy life of a mystic man named Osuoska. Mmm, very good. Thank you for that. That doesn't tell us much of anything. No, not at all. Well, tell us more, and we'll move on now to our reviews. And so uh, we are going to now uh, give our quick reviews, just thumbs up, thumbs down, and talk about why this film is art. So I begin with you, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What say you? Yeah, I'm kind of puzzled. I think I like it. I, I'm not quite sure the jury might still be out, but I think I did enjoy it quite a bit. I think I had, I was hesitant at first. I didn't know, especially after watching Upstream Color, this was the primary recommendation to watch next. Really? And so that was a bit worrisome, but yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this. And, and there's this, this is more, seems to be more of a surreal film than necessarily an art house film. And I think there's a difference there uh, to be discussed. So I enjoy it. And I think the, the elevation of the genre itself is, is well played. Um, as far as artistic flourishes, or you know what this is kind of doing different than traditional uh, cinema, um, which seeks to put the narrative first, uh, everything is motivated by narrative and done to ensure that the narrative is understood. Holy Motors throws that out the window from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, we meet several characters and encounter several scenarios where no explanation is given as to what is happening, uh, except what we are seeing. Uh, we are given base understanding of the motivations of our lead character in that he has appointments that he has to keep for some thing that he does. Some purpose of sort of acting. There's 
acting involved. There's motion capture and like avant-garde art. So I don't know what's happening. Uh, you know, there is something of a narrative here, but it's never at the forefront of the film. And kind of that's what's really elevating this into something more than just classical style. Now, Mr. Dalton Stewart, what have you to say? Um, well, I, I'm, I'm hoping that everyone listening to this right now is a long-time listener from, you know, the, the early days of this show. So when they hear me say, I love Holy Motors... They can react however they see fit. Losing I, their minds in shock. Dustin was high-fiving a thousand angels. You know it. Oh, wow, that's a deep cut. That is a deep cut. <laughs> I haven't said that in a while. Um, I don't remember the first time I said it, but I said it Episode one. 30 Rock, man. <laughs> um, so high-five all 1,000 of those angels or you know, pick your ground, jaw up off the ground if you're shocked. Dustin was shocked that I, I, I love this film, guys. I, I just think it is a masterpiece. I think it is so engrossing and so fascinating. And, and I think what elevates this to art um, it is this this conversation it's having with the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very much a movie about the movies and, and a movie about art and a movie about performance and about truth and about beauty and, and about why... We produce art. <clears throat> the motivation for doing that, the the desire to do that, the the crushing responsibility and, and, and the crushing um, pain in creating art that there is. I just, I love it. I love it so much. Uh, it's a total trip, but it's, it's actually easier to follow than you would think. Uh, hearing... Uh, what you've heard people say about this film, if you know its reputation, I did know its reputation a little bit going in. Um, you know, hearing the reputation it has, knowing that it's a French surreal art film thing, uh, it's really easy to follow. And, and I don't understand what the confusion is. It's said very plainly that they're making films at about half the halfway point. Yeah, it has his meeting with the director, and he laments, you know, when the cameras were bigger than they were, right? Uh, and now you can't even see them. Um, and I, I think we'll get more into this in my my theory. I'll touch on a little bit, but uh, this idea of, um, as I think it was Francis Ford Coppola once said that you know eventually uh, a fat girl in Minnesota will be able to make a film, uh, and I, I think Owen Motors might be having a conversation with that 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 um, that uh, mainstreamification, that um, democratization uh, of film production, which we've talked about on the show before. Um, but man, I, I adore this film. It is wacky. Uh, it is so much fun. And I frequently found myself thinking at the same time, what is happening and who cares? Because mm-hmm. uh, it's so much easier just to not ask why and just jump in and, and take the ride uh, and go with it. And again, by the halfway point, it, it's very clear what's going on. I mean, it, it, it doesn't make any sense... I think by the time I get with with the old woman sequence at the very beginning, you're like, what the hell? And then by the time he gets the mocap, you're like, okay, I get what's going on. Yeah. It's pretty clear. He's an actor. He has gigs. Yeah. yeah. And he just goes to gigs, and it doesn't matter. You can't see the cameras. You, you know, we're all performing at some, in some way or another in our lives, and you can't see the camera. But man, I adore this movie. I, I, th- I thought it was perfect. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Dustin, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I like the movie a lot, too. Uh, I was very happy that we uh, selected it um, for our next uh, Good Trash Do Cinema yeah. uh, uh, flick. And I just love the visceral reaction every time the name is said. 
of it. Um, you know what what makes it art is that it is not playing by the rules. Mm-hmm. In that it is not explaining everything. I mean, it, I think it's followable. Oh, but for sure. There's not a great effort made to explain it. But I'd say it's much less dense than a, you know a show we did for our anti trash marathon on the the regular good trash genre cast. Uh, uh, Upstream Color mm-hmm. uh, and um, you know other films that we did for that marathon. I feel like it's very easy to follow. I do, but there's no Basil exposition that shows up and says, "Oh, you're Oscar Alexander. Yeah, yeah. You're the actor who goes for the yeah. various appointments." And when they when he, when he meets the young lady who does the musical, and I believe she was our recent winner of the British version of American Idol, so she's a known quanti- quantity that that way, but not to American Idol. At the end, that's Kylie Minogue, man. Who is that? She's a Kylie pop star. Minogue. She's an Australian pop star. No, I don't see nothing to me. Uh, the, the song that is playing when he picks the his daughter up from the party. The that la, 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 la. That's her. That's her? That's Kylie Minogue, yeah. For some reason, I thought that was really funny. She's been around since the 80s. I'm trying to think of the song. She's, She's had a couple of uh, global hits. It's an easy A. They sing it easy A, I think. Yeah. I don't remember. Nonetheless. Yeah, Kylie Minogue, yeah. Not playing by the rules. There is no Basil exposition. There is no clear line of when we're in the movie and when we're outside the movie. Yes, you know, and, and those sort of ideas uh, that that the the interaction, the symbolism is not explained. Why is there a dog walking down the aisle of the cinema? We don't know, and we don't need. Yeah, to that know. bit at the beginning is a the, little the large black. I liked it, but I don't understand what it is about, and I. Don't need to really. I understand that this thing is slinking about as we're watching these movies in the dark, and I'm for that. And that's tons of fun uh, for me. It is conversant with uh, an art tradition known as surrealism, mm-hmm. um, and so that's also part of what elevates this. And so, um, yeah, I liked it a lot. Before we get into theory, let's discuss the the prologue. I guess you could call it of this film. Oh, with the director himself. Has a key on his finger. Yes. And the okay. Door. I was thinking you. I wouldn't. I didn't That's Leo's Carrick's. Oh, that is. Yeah. Or Leo Leo Carra. I mean, there's about a hundred different ways to say his it's name. It's French. It's a fake name. Right. He doesn't care. Well, you know, Oscar Alexander is an anagram of that. Who's Oscar Alexander? That character. That's uh, Michelle Le- Oscar. Uh, Dennis Levant. Dennis Levant. Dennis Levant's oh, yeah. character's name is Oscar Alexander. Oh, is, is it? Leo's Carrick's. Who cares? Now we're getting stuff. It's, I it's, don't. it's Alex. Yeah, now we're getting stuff I don't like. Um, but when he, he he enters the the film the theater through uh, this secret compartment in his little room, mm-hmm. what what what's that about, Dustin? Help me out here. I don't know. You don't know either. It's a dream. I, I I just I just know that it's very important that the film opens with the audience staring at the audience. It it, it is that his dreams are the movies. That the movies are our dreams. Okay, and that there are shared dreaming. It's a, it, it is a shared dreaming experience. It's what you do in Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three um, when you the watch movies. movies. Okay, okay. I, I think. I no, mean, I, I I just I, I thought a lot about it. Just and that's how I, I again I knew there's some kind of dialogue with performance going on in this mm-hmm. film going in, uh, and when it opens with a very lengthy just the audience of a theater staring at you, the audience, which I think would have been really surreal and cool if you, to be in a theater. Seeing yeah. this film and looking at that audience, and it's this weird mirror effect. I think that's really cool. Totally. I don't know what it means, but I know it's awesome. Kind of sets the tone. It's very good. I want to eat some flowers now, but let's move <laughs> on and uh, bring some analysis. What analysis bring you? I just, I'm sorry. I just think about that accordion scene. I can't stop. The accordion scene is awesome. It just makes me happy. Uh, well, the start of Holy Motors takes us into a cinema. 
uh, to an audience and a screen and a film. And what follows is a man who constantly changes his identity as he moves from one appointment to the next. Much like how our own identity shifts as we begin to watch different films. As I watch Scarface, I identify with Tony Montana, and there is this sudden rush to somehow get all the money, all the women, and all of the power. And then I turn on When Harry Met Sally, and I, much like Harry, don't fully understand women. And, you know, but engaging. Uh, I would have thought you identify with Meg Ryan. I do. On some days. <laughs> but in engaging the material presented in that film, it begins to reshape our, my perception of self, and by the end, maybe I do understand a little bit better how to communicate with the opposite sex. Mm. Holy Motors sees Oscar, the character, go through many transformations, none as real as the other, or the previous, the next, or whatever's mm-hmm. happening. Uh, it speaks to our own role in watching film. Our act of watching cinema is not as simple as looking into a mirror. As Christian Metz points out, with the cinema, our own image is missing from the mirror. He points out that we act as a secondary mirror in which we perceive everything on the screen and internalize it and reflect on it accordingly because we already without having to recognize ourselves within it. Hmm. Throughout the film, Oscar is an avatar for the audience's internalized self. He rides in his white limo between appointments, which reflect our transition between movies. He then arrives at the next showing and becomes fully immersed in this world at hand. He becomes the troll who is the gangster he has gone to see, reflecting our own acts of identification within film. He then gets back into his limo, and it is here that he can reflect on the world that he was just immersed into. It becomes a place of analysis and synthesis, where he can fully formulate experience into intelligence. For us here, the show acts as our own limo of reflection between movies. Right. But we, we synthesize the films that we watch. Um, I, I was I used to be a dancer. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> okay. Not a very good limo. Well, where we can unwind and fully flesh out what we have experienced. This movie promotes the idea of the conversation of film, a conversation that we here at Good Trash try to emphasize every week. If no one is talking about the movies and about the art, what is the point? What does that begin to say about our culture? So go watch a movie, internalize it, then converse about it. Don't take anything at face value. Uh, you'll be doing everyone a favor. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. That's, that, I think it's precisely spot on. Thank you for that very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What say you, Mr. Dalton Stewart? Well, you know, my, my analysis really is just kind of more of a reflection about why I think this film is art. It just kind of continues that. Uh, because for me, there's a lot of movies about movies. Uh, and they, there's a lot of, in those movies about movies, they take different approaches to that analysis uh, of film within film within film, etc. forever. Postmodern movie making. Blah, 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 blah. Not important. What we get here, for me, is a, a reminder that all film is important. Uh, there is a certain lament for old school cinema, but I, I really don't. I feel like that one scene doesn't. Even though that it, it ends with a, a lament uh, of technology, and there's a lament of technology in the middle, I don't really care about that, and I don't really. I, I don't know if that was Kara's thing in this. I don't really give a shit if that's what he thinks, because I think he's wrong if that's what he thinks. What I take away from this is all movies are awesome. All movies are important. Literally every genre, pretty much, that you can think of is represented in this film. We, you know, it, we, at uh, Mr. Oscar's appointments, we get a video game thing with a weird serpentine sex scene. I, that, that one's a little, a little hard to figure out. We get a musical interlude. We get a musical. We get a romantic comedy. We get a, a family drama. Mm-hmm. We get a comedy about a man who lives with chimps. Mm-hmm. We get every 
everything. And it's just like, guys, aren't movies awesome? Yeah. Aren't they great? Uh, I mean, we get a look at how hard it is to make films and how, how soul-crushing it can be to, to make art, especially when you're not sure if you're being appreciated. Uh, which really, I mean, speaks to the human experience in general, which isn't that what art and film is supposed to do, is be truthful mm-hmm. to, to the human condition. And I think we get some of that, and, and Oscar's lament about, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I can't see the cameras. I don't, I mean, you just, this he, this uncertainty in what he's doing. Uh, but that's that, that, to me, just speaks to this film's conversation with uh, art as a means of communicating human truth, which, I, again, that's very ponderous and... Uh, whatnot, but who cares? Movies are awesome. Mm-hmm. Movies are great. They're wonderful. They're wonderful, wonderful, great things that uh, bring uh, understanding to what it all means, and uh, just this this communal storytelling that started with campfire stories, and just all stories are awesome. All stories uh, are important and can tell us something about what it means to be alive, uh, and that's every second of this film evoked an emotion from me evoked Mm -hmm. a feeling a thought it made me wonder something Uh, whether it was wow Denis LeVon has the weirdest body I've ever seen right Uh, or god it must be sad to uh, you know sit at the deathbed of this one family member who's always been there for you I mean, just every second or oh accordion rock is cool I know it's so much fun Oh, that's the best part of the movie. Yeah, it is. It's so great. It made me so happy. I want to listen to it right now. And again, I know my my um, my analysis really is just throwing the windows open and saying, guys, aren't movies great? Remember? Mm-hmm. But I think that's important because I think we lose sight of that sometimes because film has become so ubiquitous uh, in, in, you know, in modern culture. It's... You know, there's people who are like, oh yeah, I'm a music guy. Oh, he reads a lot. He's a gamer. Nobody's a filmer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's, I mean, there are film buffs, but it's not like considered a thing that you follow. Uh, you know, people talk about sports when you first start talking. You don't talk about film unless you're me, uh, and you make people talk about it. But to me, it's important to remember why we love film and why film is important. I think. That's really what we get a lot of in Holy Motors is, is a reminder that film is a vital expression of the human experience. And that for me, just, I mean, what more do you want? Yeah. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Dalton Stewart. And I want to I want to kind of tag on to that and, and move forward with it. Uh, this idea of all these scenes and sort of um, Oscar's uh, ambivalence towards uh, what's going on because... Also, I think the film is about this transition that we're experiencing. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the mocap suit uh, section it, it is not there accidentally. It mm-hmm. is, it's there because it is communicating that there's a massive change. In fact, this is a digitally shot film. Which and he only did to keep the budget down to get investors. Yeah, just, just to get it done. Uh, it, it's this idea that the cameras really are everywhere. The movies are everywhere. The art form itself has blown itself apart in a way. And we really don't know what that future is going to look like. And this is an example of something that's possible that still says, isn't it wonderful mm-hmm. still? Isn't it great still? Even though we have no idea what's going to happen next. And sometimes the dots may connect. And, you know, this sort of internet information age that we live in where there is this sort of attention deficit disorder Mm -hmm. as we move from one thing to the next thing and the transitions are shaky at best, Mm -hmm. uh, that there's still real human feeling and emotion there. And I think that's really, really powerful. And so that ubiquity of cameras, that films are going to get made on people's iPhones and uh, that you're not going to be able to see them any longer and that it's all still 
you know, wonderful and beautiful and real. The other thing I think it is speaking to is the fact that we inhabit roles now because of the ubiquity of film. When we interact with our friends, we play parts. When we interact with our families, we, we rehearse roles. A little uh, bit of symbolic interactionism, a little dramaturgy coming from a sociology. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and, and so that's uh, part of what happens, you know. Uh, part of what I do in the other part of my life is when people come and sit across the desk from me and they're having problems, I see them interact with one another and they're playing roles from romantic comedies I've seen or they're playing roles from these family dramas that I've seen. And I'm like, you don't actually have to play it like that. You don't have to react like that when this happens, when you receive the stimulus, but they seem to just kind of fall into those slots. And I, I, I think, again, the cinema not only is this dream that we all share as we see that first scene, but the cinema also provides us ways to interact with the world. And uh, I think part of what's being broken open here is that there's a lot more options. And to not let cinema be the only determinant that we are moldable and that these actors that play these different roles, that we're actually seeing that difference. And it's encouraging us to say, you know what, there's another way to play this. There are other options you can have in your interaction with your coworkers, or your friends and your family or whomever. And I, I find that to be kind of fascinating as well, um, that, that, that this multiplicity of, of how we can interact uh, in the world. And by showing us this uh, very much a Lon Chaney sort of performance um, where he is literally changing his face from role to role. I mean, God, and he just goes from broke. Man, he's so good. Whole, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's good performance stuff. Yeah. And, and they recognize, oh, you know what? This guy can, has this range. What we do is we pick our favorite movie and we try to be that character all the time. And I think perhaps the movie might be expressing to us there is a greater range of emotion and it might be a more fulfilled sort of life if you lived it out that way. And I think that's a good suggestion. And that's the analysis I would bring um, to this particular film. I'm just going to ask a couple quick questions mm-hmm. about the movie. Did you do a little round table? A little round table. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and take the accordion scene off the table. Aww. Because I think, can we agree that that's we love that scene? Okay. It's fantastic. Well, Arthur, what do you think? I know me and Dustin love it. Yeah, best scene yeah, in the okay. film. Okay. okay, I mean, agreed. I'm gonna argue. Okay, so just... let's take that off as the best scene in the film. Okay, what's the best scene after that, and what's the worst one? Go. I I I really was was touched by the the sequence where uh, he's he's dying and his niece is talking to him. I thought that was really really powerful. Um, I think the mocap scene's a good bit of fun to kind of just get you back into it mm-hmm. and uh, be like, okay, this is always fun to see people doing flips and kickies and mm-hmm. it gets weird at the end, but that's the perfect point uh, about uh, the commodification of uh, the human body, I think, um, and the, how like, there's a perversion to that. Um, as memorable as the troll sequence is, I don't know how I feel about it. it he, he gets to have a lot of fun, clearly. Uh, and it's goofy as all get out, uh, and it's maybe it's so weird. It's so, so weird. It, it is hands down the weirdest of, yeah. of the sequences. I think the gangster sequence is really cool and says something about violence. As far as the one that I, I want to go with the troll one, it's the one that I'm most troubled by, and it's not just because it takes on a possibly anti-Muslim connotation at the end. I'm not really sure what's going on there at all. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pretend that that's what it's doing because I don't know. Uh, but it's weird, uh, and it's kind of funny and silly, and I don't, I don't know how well it works, though. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many great ones. Um, 
I would say it's between that scene of him as a father and him as the dying uncle for best for me. But yeah, I think the troll one probably kind of is is weak in its weirdness. All right. Well, let's say you, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I'd have to say I really enjoy the gangster scene, or the gangster, but the <coughs> the banker scene. When yeah. He goes in and kills him and That's, kills himself and yeah. whatever's happening. I enjoy it. I think it's just really well done. Mm-hmm. I like the scene that you're talking, the uncle scene, mm. but for the different That's reason. Brutal. Why? Because at the end when he gets up. Oh, no. Yeah, and she yeah. just wants to stay. Same yeah. thing. No, I, I. that's part of why I yeah. like it so much. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's it's maybe beautiful. the most brilliant part of the movie. Well, and they both kind of, they like, what's your name? Like, they had to pause. Well, yeah. There's this beautiful, like, actor to actor, artist to artist moment that was like, that was really powerful. Can we acknowledge it real quick? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I, you know, I love, that's part of why I like that yeah. sequence so much. I think it's brilliant. Uh, worse, maybe when he's what is it, old woman or something on the bridge. It's yeah, just kind of forgettable. that doesn't really count. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think nice. it's referencing one of his earlier films, okay. Lovers on the Bridge. Well, it's a massive transformation, makeup wise. Yeah, oh, it's I mean, really it, cool. It's an impressive old woman he's playing. And I think it's just kind of to set the foundation. But yeah, it's it's kind of. Uh, well, I'm gonna say the worst for me are the last two sequences. The the the, the I don't like the garage and I don't like the monkeys. I, I think the monkeys is kind of a weird uh, way to. To, to understand how hard his job is, yeah. Sometimes you gotta. Sometimes you gotta get that paycheck, and that's. I kind of like that about it. Also, because uh, it's it's very short, and very quick. Well, and uh, it's thankfully short because yeah. I mean it's just like it's just utterly bizarre, and I, I feel like there are mo- that, that it's one of those moments when somebody's trying to be weird, gotcha, which is less interesting than just actual weirdness, like the cave troll thing. I don't think it's trying to be weird. I, I just it's I think weird. it's a genuine it's too. It's I don't know what it's trying to do. Uh, it's the end. That's my favorite scene. Is it? But next, next to that, and and yeah. the reason why is that is your favorite next be, to the accordion. Because what happens is we see this objectified woman being posed and placed yeah. by the photographer, and uh, you know her body being exploited. Mm-hmm. And then when he takes her down in the dungeon, he covers up her body to pose her and place her and exploit her body. And okay. it's it's all about how everybody's objectifying the women. Gotcha. The, the thing that I do love about that sequence is that. Uh, he he steals her in this caveman, you know, lustful craziness, and then she kind of like soothes him because all men are tiny babies that need mm-hmm. to be taken care of. And that part, I really well, he has this you know turgid erection, and he kind of like cries a little bit, and she like sings him a lullaby. I think that's really beautiful. Well, and I, that, that, that 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 chunk of it, I think, is brilliant. I think the tableau of it, it's it's a painting, right? Okay, in, in yeah. which there is the nude body of mm-hmm. a man. Yeah. Next to the clothed body of a yeah. woman, what we see in classical art is absolutely the opposite, yes. and I, I think it's throwing that sort of objectification back in our face and suggesting that maybe cinema is the avenue through which we can finally get past all that. Okay, you know, right. and I mean that's what I took from that particular section, and the use of the the reference to the burqa is the other kind of extreme in in society mm-hmm. where the woman is totally covered, but it's still an exploitation. Okay, and okay. and I, I that's that I mean that and he eats flowers. Yeah, well, I think and hair and it's, money. It's the beginning of it that I don't love. It, yeah. It's that weird rampage that sets the foundation where that character is that I'm not wild about. All right, gang. Well, thank you very much for this. Uh, episode of the good trash do cinema where we are breaking up in some art film let's um move on then and let's just give our final verdict is it art or is it not which is our version of shelf or trash for this show and then what else or instead i ask you mr dalton stewart what do you say definitely art i mean how good it not yeah, be? yeah you, you, even if it's art that you don't like it's still clearly art 
And I literally don't know what else to, you would watch for this movie. I, I Nothing comes to mind off the top of my head. Last action hero, maybe. for. A I actually thought of that as well. That's crazy. Just, that totally was in my head. Yeah. For just a movie about the movies kind right. of thing. And this weird fourth wall, breaky type of look at um, our, our relationship with film. That's the only thing that came to mind just for kind of polar opposite uh, look at what this film is doing a little bit. Um but this this film really is kind of singular and stands alone. I mean, yeah, it does. Y- you can find films to pair with it, but they're all going to be you're pairing a little tiny piece of Holy Motors with a whole film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think uh, it's it is kind of its own breed of monster in a in a great way. Excellent. I agree with that point altogether. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what do you say? Yeah, I I don't know. I'm kind of torn. I think it's I mean, I I really the more we talk about it, the more I've thought about it. I think it's a a great movie. But I don't know that it's in the upper echelon of great art, that yeah. high highbrow art. Where we talk about this with the Seventh Seal and Breathless, or is this, you know? So I I enjoy it, and I think you watch it with uh, because of the chimpanzees and because of the story being told. I think you watch it with Sunset Boulevard. Oh um, yeah, I think that works there. There's a monkey, and yeah. it's about the movies. And because there's a dog in the theater, I think you watch an American Werewolf in London. Nice. So after that, there you go. I'm always for watching American Werewolf in London. Well, I also agree that it's um, definitely a uh, art film. I think you should probably check out some other anthology stuff, just because it sort of is what that does. I recommend Mario Bava's Black Sabbath, uh, starring Boris Karloff and others. And uh, so, just as something to think about, I, Last Action Hero already mentioned as sort of this meta film uh, sort of thing. Um, but in addition to Last Action Hero, I think you ought to take a look at. Uh, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, well. That same sort of level of manipulation and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And because surrealism... Look at what the audience demands. Right. And because of surrealism and, and this sort of experience, I think you got to check out um, Louis Boonwell's um, collaboration with Salvador Dali, uh, Lodge Door, where the scenes are connected. There is some recurring characters, but it's very much a dream sort of logic. That's the not-eyeball one, right? That's the not eyeball one. That's that's, that's the hour long one, not the fifteen minute long. That's one. what I thought. And it's currently streaming on Netflix. Oh, yeah. um, well, at least it will be. I hope by the time this thing drops, you're a drop. So um, anyway, you. thank you, gentlemen, uh, for that conversation. I think this movie is definitely worthy of some talk. It's definitely too good for us. No, oh my God, certainly. And uh, but I'm glad that we we, were we do not belong anywhere near this movie. No, we don't. And uh, but I'm glad we got a chance to get here anyway. And sometimes you get to go out with the prom queen, and we're glad she, for that. She's she's a weird eccentric girl that uh, uses dandruff in her hair to make snow on her picture. So uh, we are going to be looking at another movie next time, and uh, we're going to go also foreign in this category. We're going to go a little further back in time, Akira Kurosawa's barnstorming event uh, where he took the world by storm, not his debut, but a film called Rashomon, and, uh, so, uh, which is uh, going to be fantastic. And uh, it's also his first collaboration with Ishiro Mifune, and uh, it's nonlinear. It's really, really forward-looking. It inspires things like, oh, I don't know, Pulp Fiction. Yep. And uh, and whatnot. So all it, the things, all the things. It's 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 absolutely fantastic. And uh, we're really really looking forward to uh, talking a little Japanese cinema. But until next time, um, take a look at some movies, watch them, and talk about them. Because it turns out the conversation can be better than the movie and better than that experience. And that's really what makes it all worthwhile. And until then, we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.